One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have three kids. Tony is 10 and my twins, Libby and Nate, are seven. And I have two kids. Jay is five and Kenny is two. Our kids are pretty adorable, and we'd like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful they are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too, and we just like to get that out of the way up front. So Deborah, what have your kids been up to lately? Tony has been wearing Jeremy, my husband's rollerblades, which is crazy that he is big enough to fit into his dad's rollerblades. They don't exactly fit. He needs his own pair, but isn't that crazy? His feet are bigger than mine now. Wow. I remember when that happened to my older sister's daughter. I feel like when my oldest niece started wearing grown-up sized shoes, it was like all my sister could talk about for like months. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Totally. And I like seeing kids on rollerblades. It's just like, just on edge the whole time because it looks so fun and dangerous. Have they ice skated before in the wintertime? Yes. They both both played hockey, not like, we live in Minnesota, so some people are serious hockey people here. We are not serious, but they have skated before. Do you have the same feeling when you see them in ice skates that you do when you see them on rollerblades? Not at all, because... For hockey, they wear so much gear that if you fall, you're pretty padded. Mm-hmm. So Libby doesn't supervise their uh, safety equipment? She, well, she's got her all her pads, like elbow pads, knee pads, wrist guards. Tony just doesn't have that yet because he's just been borrowing Jeremy's. But he does wear a helmet. No, no major scraped knees yet, which is good. Every time we record, I am shocked at how much they're growing up every time we say their ages it's like you're so rarely confronted with it you have I a 10 year old newly too right <laughs> that's crazy uh well speaking of my newly two-year-old I feel like just everything he says is adorable now because he's in that stage where it almost kind of makes sense but less often <laughs> than he would like it to so lately he's been putting on one of our toy uh astronaut helmets and going three four six blast off (laughs) oh that sounds so cute so a little picture of adorable for you uh before we move on to the depressing because for screen time in the news today we are discussing an article from the washington post from september 4th by heather kelly and it is called kids used to love screen time then schools made Zoom mandatory all day long. Oh boy, this article just starts out with a gut punch because it tells you about this kid who is 
has started school and is sitting in front of a Zoom camera for six and a half hours a day, which I know parents, I'm expressing shock, that could be normal for you now. The article brings up that parents are expecting school to provide education and childcare, and the way that schools are providing this childcare piece is by having children required to sit in front of the video monitor for the entire day which just sounds so scary to me. I am in Florida, so we are recklessly just sending all of our children back to in-person school, which is its own kettle of fish, and the article does not address it. But this is just a whole different world, and it sounds, frankly, awful. Deborah, your kids just started school. How are they doing it? It's not the nightmare scenario portrayed in this Washington Post article, And I think they must have scoured the country for the absolute worst Zoom school possible. Mm -hmm. It is very not an ideal situation. It's not at all like real school, but it's not as bad as this article makes it sound. Mm -hmm. My kids have some scheduled meetings during the day, and then they have like some educational app time which I am not sure if it's critical to their learning or if it's just like the equivalent of like a word search or a dot to dot worksheet that the teacher would pass out for dead time, you know? Right, right. So I'm not crazy about the amount of time that they spend like basically playing like word and math games. Mm -hmm. So it just, I can't, believe that we're gonna probably have to do this all year long I know oh I'm so sorry although I'm sure like give us a couple months and we'll be back to it (laughs) yeah yeah well and I say this like I am a white lady without a job and I can focus on my kids needs and we all have a home and food security and so I don't have a lot to complain about it's just so far from the normal that we used to know it's hard yeah and that's something this article brings up only a very little bit uh we have read some other pieces that have focused more on issues of inequality and wi-fi access and that is just a whole kettle of fish that this article barely gets into it's mostly focused on the disconnect between the idea that like schools had a whole summer to prepare for this and the product that parents are now seeing as their children return to school. Yeah. And also there's the piece in the article about kind of the policing of kids through the zoom screen. Like they're supposed to wear certain things. And in this article, some kids were getting punished for going to the bathroom like taking a break and turning their camera off so they could go to the bathroom. And that just seems crazy. Like you and I have done Zooms and I've done Zooms for like an organization where I'm just one of many participants and I don't have to talk at all. And I just turn the camera off. Mm -hmm. And why can't kids just turn the camera off? And again, I think it's because of this childcare piece, like parents want to yeah. have some ability to go in the other room and do their own work while their mm-hmm. kids are being at least semi-supervised by a teacher at school. Ugh, it's a worst case scenario. Yeah. 
Not not a happy story. All right, should we move on? Do we have any follow-up from our last episode? This is not follow-up, but we watched Mulan. So did we. What did you think? I loved it. It was beautiful, wasn't it? I thought it was really good. It was like, um, brought me back to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. There was like a scene that also reminded me very much of the Star Wars scene where Luke is battling Darth Vader and they're over the chasm that I don't even know which Star Wars movie that is from. But Nathan said a couple of times when we were watching it, "Ooh, I love it when people fight in dangerous situations. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, kid. Me too. (laughs) I thought I thought the actors were great. I, lo- I loved the I loved every everything about it except for the controversial tweets supporting the Hong Kong police or whatever. Yeah, which is something I didn't read about until after we watched the movie. And it should be said that right now it's only available on Disney Plus. You have to pay that like thirty bucks for advanced access, but then you get it. I think all the way through the month of October to watch as many times as you want, and it's very pretty. So I can definitely see that we'll be watching it more than once same and it sounds like a lot of money for a movie on a service you already pay for but had we seen it in the theater we would have spent more than twice that Mm -hmm. on popcorn (laughs) so here are the two things I was worried about in this remake because I really liked the animated Mulan Mm -hmm. one I knew that there wasn't going to be singing and I really like the soundtrack from the original I think it has some great songs So I was bummed about that, and I thought it was going to detract from my enjoyment of the film. And then I had also heard that they were getting rid of the character, and I'm blanking on his name, but Mulan's commander in the animated version, who then she ends up, or he ends up falling in love with her, and there's this whole queer subtext, and it's it's a great story. And I was worried about them cutting that character completely. It turns out all they did for the live action movie was kind of rewrite that character to be more of her equal in the command as opposed to being her commander, which I kind of like. There's less of that power differential. Yeah, yeah. And they did do a nod to the soundtrack by including a lot of the themes from the music in the background music that we heard, which was a nice nod. I still missed the songs, but... It was, in general, I thought, just really beautifully done. Yeah. Worth the 30 buckaroos, listeners. I would say so. Yes, worth it. So should we move on to today's topic? Yeah, let's do it. We are talking about Emily's Wonder Lab. It's a Netflix show. It premiered August 25th of this year. So we're very, very recent to it. It's a 10-episode first season hosted by... Emily Calandrelli. She is an MIT educated engineer. She's a professional speaker on space, science, and equality of the sexes in STEM. In April of 2017, she appeared on Netflix's Bill Nye Saves the World. Possibly this might be where Netflix discovered her. She wrote a series of chapter books for young readers with a lead character, Ada Lace. And she's done several TEDx talks. These episodes of Emily's Wonder Lab are short. 
like under 15 minute episodes with two segments, a main experiment with um, a handful of kid participants, and then a demonstration of an experiment that kids can do at home. And we picked this because two of Katie's mom friends suggested it. So thank you so much for the suggestion. Yeah, thanks, This show guys. was not on my radar at all, and I am so glad I got to watch it. So we watched Glow Party, Eggs, 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 and Bowling with Air. So we'll go through the episodes one by one, and then we'll move on to our more general thoughts. Katie, would you like to summarize Glow Party? All right, so in what was the first episode on Netflix, Emily teaches her little panel of kid scientists about ultraviolet light and how it makes fluorescent paint glow through making their own fluorescent paint. And then the at-home segment was making your own lava lamp. I was really nervous about this show before we watched it, but I liked it quite a bit. I found the 11 minute time to be pretty much just right. I found the scientific explanations to be pretty easy to understand. We will later go into my thoughts on the relative annoyingness levels of the different children. Uh, but I thought <laughs> I thought it was pretty I thought it was pretty successful and interesting and fun to watch. What did you think? Um, I think it's maybe situational, but I loved it. <gasps> Yay! We watched the show as a family, and I was like, okay, this is your science class. <laughs> Because my kids don't get to do experiments at school. I mean, we can do stuff at home, but it's not in a lab environment (laughs) or even a classroom environment. And so this was fun. It's going to give us some ideas for things we can do at home. And it is a great, like they go through the scientific method. They talk about hypotheses and methods and it's it feels really educational, but also really fun. Do you feel like you learned anything? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Can I talk about eggs, eggs, eggs? Please. So this one was an episode where Emily has like pallets of eggs <laughs> and talks about what about an egg's structure makes it strong. It's the arch on the top and the arch on the bottom. And then the kids try out different ways to walk across the eggs without, with breaking as few as possible. That was way more than one sentence. This show was gratuitous, gratuitously messy. <laughs> Come on, more so than the one where they like painted one another with fluorescent paints? They were all satisfyingly messy we also watched the ooh black episode which Mm -hmm. we didn't assign ourselves and that was probably the messiest how much do you love saying the phrase non-newtonian fluids (laughs) because i do yeah (laughs) all right really quick so the last one we watched was bowling with air and this is where i confess that jay fell absolutely in love with this show We may have already watched all of the episodes at least twice. 
So I do not 100% remember what happened with this episode. I know they did something with a barrel and like shoot, like making their own air cannons where they tipped over pyramids of plastic cups. And I think the at-home experiment was maybe making a cloud in a bottle. Does that sound right? Cloud in a bottle. Tony really, really wants to do that. And I think it's achievable at home. Yeah, I think, well, that's the thing with these at-home experiments. Like, the se- the segment where she shows you how to do it at home, she just offhand has some, like, really random stuff that, come on, we are not going to have in our homes. Like, yes, I have a bicycle pump, but no, I don't have a special stopper to put in a bottle and attach to my bicycle pump. But she says, I just bought this online. I know, but then before you know it, at least if you're my kid and you're sitting down and watching six of these at once, like your Amazon cart is like full with a hundred dollars of like random science experiment stuff. Right. That is an understandable quibble. I don't want to do anything super messy at my house. So I liked the cloud in the bottle experiment. I think I'm going to order a stopper. Yeah. Because I think that would be more fun than Ublick for me. Not necessarily for the kids. So should we just move on to our overall thoughts? Yeah. Can I first say that Ublek was one of the few that seemed so immediately achievable because I have cornstarch. And water. Yeah. Yeah. I hate the texture of Ublek. I have a sensory disorder. I think an undiagnosed sensory disorder. (laughs) Do we like the concept? Yeah. I mean, I we like shows that teach kids, right? We like Mm -hmm. science-based shows that make these things fun. We're desperate for anything to make these things fun for our kids right now. So I think I can speak for both of us and say that the concept was solid. Yeah, I I like the concept of any science show. The execution is not always good, but this was like worlds above Sid the Science Kid. Yeah, that's what I was I was wondering compared to the other explicitly sciencey shows that we've watched. Really Sid the Science Kid and then I was thinking about Oh Yuck, which we did most recently mm-hmm. and that was just so bad. Went way too far in the trying to make gross things, trying to make science attractive to kids through gross things that I was a little nervous for this at first that it would go in that direction, but it totally does not. So that was good. Yeah. Did you learn anything? Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know how much of it stuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really know that thing about ultraviolet light being super energetic light. And so yeah. instead of just getting sucked into something, it bounces back. And that's how it makes things glow. I didn't know that. How about you? I didn't know that bear crawling across a pallet of eggs was the best way to break as few eggs as possible didn't know that either I also thought that the when she did the air blaster cannon and she just like pulled out her handy smoke machine to demonstrate the shape of the air and how it was moving inside I thought that was really cool that was unexpected I did not know that it would be a vortex I didn't know that a vortex actually meant something so mundane Like, usually when you hear people talking about vortexes, it has to do with the weather, and it's really scary. Yeah, yeah. Tornadoes are the vortex that comes to mind, and I didn't know it simply meant, like, something that's spinning around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, turns out I create a vortex in my soup bowl every time I eat. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do we feel like this show restored our faith in educational TV? Well, I, I would say it's been a while since we watched something educational that we really liked, but you know how I feel about number blocks, and that was fairly recent. <laughs> but as yeah. far as in science educational TV, yeah, I thought this was really well done among the representatives we've seen. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. So thoughts on the cast and characters. So let's talk about Emily first. I think she's an amazing individual. Yeah, I was a little worried when I first saw like the thumbnail for the show because she's very pretty, guys. And I thought Mm -hmm. that like maybe she was just going to be like a pretty face, but she has the credentials to back it up. She knows her stuff. Plus, she was super pregnant, which is really rare. Yes, to have that not be part of the show. Mm -hmm. Like they never mention it, which is awesome. She just is pregnant and wearing cute little, cute little overalls. <laughs> what about the kids? I thought that the casting of the kids was really well done in terms of diversity. There were, you know, just a couple of white kids and more black and brown kids, which I like to see. I mean, are you, I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, but they seemed super coached. <laughs> yeah, it was like, Their enthusiasm was so over the top. I wonder if they had had like a snack of Mountain Dew and Sour Patch Kids right before they went on the soundstage. They were super happy. When I was in elementary school, our school had like a forensics competition where like kids have to give speeches. Did you do that in your school? Not in that way, I don't think. Okay, so I distinctly remember being coached at one point while I was making this speech that I had decided to do on, like, I don't know, dog sledding or something, to, like, when referring to myself, energetically stick out my thumb and point to myself. Like, here's what I think. Listeners, you can't see me, but I'm energetically pointing to myself when I say I. And I feel like these children were coached in a very similar way. Yeah, yeah. There were definitely some, not necessarily staged parents, but some very involved producers in their statements. But for a show like this, I mean, how old do you think those kids were? Like around nine or ten? I'm notoriously bad at judging that. But yeah, that seems right. They were of the age where they, if you went into a classroom of kids that age, some of them could be like sullen and uncooperative. And I think I'd rather see kids be over-the-top peppy than reluctant to participate. You're totally right. Like, what would the alternative be? I'm just saying from an adult perspective, it was a little grating. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So thoughts on the length and the structure. For me, 11 to 12 minutes is the perfect length for a kid's show. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We talked about this a little bit, but do you think you will do any of the at-home segments? Yeah, I think we'll do the ones that seem achievable. I'll even let my kids do the oobleck, but I'm not going to touch it. (laughs) How about you? Well, I found myself following along with a lot of them and being like, yes, yes, check, that sounds good. And then again, she would pull out one thing that I'd be like, who the flip has that? Like, what... (laughs) And it would just ruin the whole experiment. So 
we did do a few over the course of the weekend, some like modified versions of the ones that she presented in the show. Like she does a lot with baking soda and vinegar, which is super achievable. And not that messy. And not that that messy if you do it right. Yeah. So we did a lot of like turning bubbles colors and... We did, we, I looked up like alternative ways to do, like she has one episode where she does, is it unicorn toothpaste that she calls it? Like it's like foam that spews out of a beaker in an impressive way. So we did an alternative version of that. It just, I am not the world's laziest parent and maybe this will make me sound like it, but it takes so much work to get everything together and set up for this thing. And maybe it's just because my kids are younger, like they're interested for like 20 seconds. And then they're like, that was great, mom. What's the next experiment? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I just took like so long to get all this stuff together. And all you want to know is what the next one is. (laughs) Yeah. That's the thing about being a parent is like, if you were teaching a preschool class, you would actually have a little prep time. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe that would mean going into work early, but you would have a little time alone to get ready. And as a parent, you don't really get that. My kids are older and can get stuff ready and sort of clean up. So I think for my situation, at-home experiments are more enjoyable for myself. Do you feel like you get more longevity out of them at that age? Not necessarily. You have to look at the setup as being part of the part of the deal yes and it's just not for my kids yet so it's like 20 seconds of fun and then lots of cleanup for mommy and lots of nagging about what we're gonna do next right Uh, uh, still I can't hold that against Emily it's not her fault it's probably an age thing that doesn't make the show less cute I do think it does build expectations yeah so let's talk about the music So there's a song that corresponds to each episode, but they're not really that catchy. (laughs) You don't have to say that just because I wrote it. Did you find them to be catchy? Okay. My kids recognized the composer and artist who who did the songs. His name is Perry Grip, and they're followers of his on Amazon Music, and he writes these twee little songs and my kids love them and they are so annoying to (laughs) listen to and they were thrilled that he wrote the music to Emily's Wonder Lab and they've been singing the theme song ever since. I will say the theme song is a totally different beast because it's super simple and super catchy that I can get behind but the songs during the episodes are just like for example the one where the kids walked on eggs, they just had a song that was like, and these kids are walking on eggs, they're walking on eggs. And like, that was the song. Yeah, I think it's generational because I (laughs) do not want to listen to Perry Grip and my kids love Perry Grip. Oh my gosh, Perry. I mean, I guess you have ardent fans and I'm happy that you're successful in what you're doing, but it is just not for me. Yeah, I was astounded that he's like a paid professional. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so thumbs down to the music. 
So what movie or show for grownups does this compare to? I mean, obviously, when it comes to science, I thought immediately of like the reality competition cooking shows. Also thought of some of the weirder design ones, like the one I randomly watched that was a competition design show that was only steampunk. Oh, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Super weird and specific. I couldn't think of one that was explicitly sciencey, though. How about you? Well, what about Neil deGrasse Tyson? Because he's like a pretty brilliant scientific mind, but he brings things to levels where just lay people can understand them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've never read one of his books or listened to any of his talks, though, but I know that people really like his work. I did briefly listen to a space podcast that he did, uh, and I did not care for it. But what I was going to say was, speaking of brilliant, speaking of people who are brilliant at explaining science for lay people, have you watched that Bill Nye show, Bill Nye Saves the World? No, but it sounds good. Is it good? I have not watched it either, but I recently heard an interview with him about it. And uh, I don't know, it kind of sounds like Bill Nye is pretty mad at us generation of kids who grew up with Bill Nye the science guy for how we haven't done anything to help with climate change. He's like disappointed in us. Was it on Fresh Air? Uh, It was on It's Been a Minute. Oh, I listened to the same thing. Yes. Yeah. So I felt a little I felt a little bad. Like I should apologize (laughs) to Bill. It's not our individual choices. It's society at large. Anyway, let's cast the great HBO reboot. Okay, wait, wait, wait. No. Before we go on to that, so a million years ago when we covered Said the Science Kid, you were complaining that turning the water off while you're brushing your teeth is like the only environmental lesson that television shows teach kids. And they make it seem like it's the world's most important slash only thing that you can do. And you were like, why don't they ever move on to something else? And I was like, I agree. That makes sense. But now that I'm constantly reminding my children to turn off the water when they're either brushing their teeth or washing their hands, I'm like, no, maybe we do just need to hear that again and again and again because it's not sticking. I think we do need to hear that again. I think, Bill Nye, we also need to tax carbon. <laughs> but that's an entirely different conversation for not a children's TV podcast. Probably. <laughs> okay, now can we cast the Gertie HP? Yes, reboot? please. Tell me what you got. Okay. Emily has a very Reese Witherspoon energy to her without that dark edge that Reese Witherspoon has. The dark edge that Reese Witherspoon has cultivated in recent years but didn't initially have right so I would love to see a Reese Witherspoon show where she does experiments but they're a little more dangerous that's all I've got all right yeah I also just cast the host she had a cooking show at one point with her husband who is Italian but Debbie Mazar is that how you pronounce her last name Debbie Mazar. Yeah, I really liked that cooking show the couple of times that I saw it, and I loved her, like, just no nonsense, this is how you do it attitude. And I would like to see her do some science experiments. That's a really good one. Uh, and she's so good on Younger. I know. I kind of abandoned that show in the middle of last season. 
Are you all caught up? I don't think I'm all caught up. I kind of forgot about it until now. Are you team Josh or team Charles? I like Charles. I'm totally a team Josh. This is why we work so well together. We don't agree on anything. <laughs> so was it better when we were kids? I loved the show 321 Contact, which was a sciencey show and educational. So I'm not going to say it was necessarily better when we were kids, but I think I would have loved this show when I was in like late elementary school. I think when we were growing up, there were some good options for science shows for already nerdy kids. Mm-hmm. I think the difference from today and shows like Emily's Wonder Lab is that it's a science show that casts a wider net and can be accessible and interesting to kids who aren't necessarily of that nerdy bent. That's a really good point. Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? I've already seen all the episodes to the point that even though I like it, I'm kind of sick of it. I, do, I don't think it's as rewatchable as Number Blocks is. <laughs> so I don't think I would ever watch it alone voluntarily. How about you? We are limiting like video game time now that my kids are uh, having so much screen time for school. But this is a good wind down show like after dinner. So we're definitely going to watch them. But as a family, I would like to watch one of Emily's TED Talks, and I'll probably do that by myself. Yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. Although I have to say, I am shocked to hear you say that you find it to be a good wind down show because it gets Jay so hyped up, like especially all the messiness. Like he immediately just wants to be like jumping up and down covered in fluorescent paint or oobleck or slime or whatever it is. It just gets him so riled up. So we find actually the opposite to be true. But again, (laughs) it could be an H thing. You know what we need? We need like a good historical kids show so it can be a little bit more boring for Jay to wind down to that sounds like a good challenge (laughs) all right Netflix get on it 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids it sounds like we're both a pretty solid yes ratings I mean I guess I gotta give it five like the length was perfect the subject matter was really grabby and not too in-depth I like the host Maybe I would edge it down to a 4.5 just because I found the kids grading. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 5. It's something I would definitely recommend. It was really well done. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can find us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even Gmail at myscreentime 2 Please send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. We'd love to hear them. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye! 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 Bye!